The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and dancing rabbit costume, and this is Cinema Limbo. Tonight's symposium focuses on the 1988 film Moonwalker, conceived by and starring Michael Jackson. You join my guest Chris Arnsby and I in his soundproof dance studio. Hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, now, tell me, um, given that Michael Jackson's Moonwalker was released in cinemas on Boxing Day 1988. It was the big TV premiere on New Year's Day 1992. Uh, it's directed, for the most part, by a hugely respected visual effects technician and sire of the Corbold clan, and stars multiple Oscar nominees. Is it a film? <sighs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's... There's a danger that we could all get terribly philosophical and start thinking, but what is film? <laughs> um, Don't you go Jean-Luc Godard? <laughs> no, this is true. Um, it's, I mean, it's what, 98 minutes long? Uh, 88? On oh, 93, according to this. Uh, you a fancy Blu-ray. Which apparently uh, means that it passes the technical definition of a... Isn't that, that's long enough to be nominated for an Oscar, I believe. 40 minutes is long enough to be a, wow. a feature-length film at the Oscars, which I think is too short. Yeah. Um, I think it should be, uh, say, 58 minutes. So it rounds up to an hour. Hmm. But is... Um, it is a, a, a presentation of uh, one or multiple segments, but presented as a single coherent a single uh, yeah. unit. It has an opening title and closing credits. Um, it has all the necessary minimal requirements to be a film. <laughs> um, but I would struggle to say that it actually meets anything beyond that. I'm not sure what my reaction would have been if I'd settled down in the cinema to see this. Or did you say the big... New Year's Day film of 1992. Yeah. What what channel was that? BBC One. Wow. Not since the BBC showed Magical Mystery Talk and they have um, baffled the viewers quite so much with that then. I think by 1992, well, by the end of 1991, let's say, um, the Jackson brand was starting to mm. not tarnish, but the world has maybe started to move on a little. It was off... I remember when Man in the Mirror came out, even at that point, there were 
jokes about all oh, you know I'm looking at the man in the mirror and going who the hell are you um, so even at that point by the time that bad had started to come out Michael Jackson was not the person not seen as the person that he used to be uh, so yeah by 92 I don't know I'm not even sure his albums were becoming increasingly intermittent yeah, I'm trying to remember whether any whether he'd just got a bit forgotten at that point. I'm not enough of a Michael Jackson fan to say one way or the other, to be honest. Well, a member of my family was a huge Michael Jackson fan, so I wound up seeing this film, I think, multiple times on a loop Ooh. on various occasions, and thinking that it was something like three hours long. Um, the credits alone account for nearly 10% mm. of the film's running time. Um so it kind of got lodged in my brain and it was a, an early addition to the Cinema Limbo master list Okay. to say, you know, you know what was that? Mm. Um, I mean, it starts with concert footage. Yeah. Which I thought, well, okay, this seems like a sensible way to start. But we have this montage where we're intercutting images of a huge devoted crowd Um the um, the image of Jackson as a as a global superstar and people like oh, Gandhi, yes. Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Desmond Tutu, um, Jimmy Carter, history's the greatest, Kennedys history's are in greatest monster, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yes, and Michael Jackson is clearly being presented as almost like a religious icon. Is there equal? Is this like a, a, the orientation video for a cult? It does come across a little bit like that, doesn't it? Like for the movementarians or something. Yeah. For the moon... No, I would have, was trying to work in a hilarious kind of moonwalker-and-tarians pun, but that doesn't work at all. Um, it, am I right? I only watched this last night, <laughs> and it already feels like some kind of bizarre fever dream. Um, as you get towards the end of the Man in the Mirror segment... It starts to show footage following the deaths of... So there's, I believe there's footage of mourners at Martin Luther King's funeral and a few others. John Lennon's face pops up, doesn't it, at one yeah, point? Yes, so there's, there's another sort of piece And it does, it does all get very strange very quickly. And obviously, increasingly, as, as we now know how this story ends... Yeah, and so obviously you go back and parts of it do look unfortunate but yeah I mean that as you say that whole business with him apparently equating himself with all these notable peacemakers no wonder Jarvis Cocker waggled his bum at Michael Jackson yeah um, the the film was conceived as uh, coming out roughly uh, simultaneously with his bad mm. global tour and it wound up being postponed and it, uh, the film was actually released in the UK first I think and then went straight to video in the US in oh. early 89 because Jackson and his manager Frank DeLeo um, wanted too big a cut at the box office <laughs> and, uh, you, the name Frank DeLeo does that oh, sound yeah. because the well, villain I... is called Frank Ladeo in a hilarious joke oh I didn't pick up on that at all no I thought you were just going to mention him as the vague villain of the piece he is the villain of the piece he wants to inject the world's children with drugs yeah um. <laughs> and he's, he's like, a, he's like I, I've actually written in my notes 
I refer to him as Evil Drug Man. Yes, no, that's pretty much... It's... That whole sequence is offensively unsophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a... Th- I'm, that's a thing now, as far as I'm concerned, because I... I was really surprised by the... And not quite even black and white morality of it, but here come the bad men and they're bad and they do bad things and drugs are bad and they're bad and they're bad to kids and being bad to kids is bad. And and it's just just so... Based on a story by Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And I don't... It's... Naive is not the right... It's unsophisticated. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is just that this is pure, unfiltered Michael Jackson. But it's there's just something... If you're going to do a story that talks about children using uh, drugs and kids and things like that, don't you owe it... Am I... Am I wrong in thinking that you owe it to be a little bit more sophisticated than just to go, these are bad people doing bad things, therefore we must kill, we must blow them all up? If he was, if he's genuinely concerned about the threat to children from drugs, there are ways of doing that that aren't a vanity project that ends mm. in turning into a spaceship. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I, he, he was an ally of. Um, Nancy Reagan's Just mm. Say No campaign, which is obviously massively flawed, but um, you know, it, its heart was in the right place, yes, even if its yeah. brain wasn't, but even then I'm not totally sure about its heart either. Yeah, no, that's that's right, but there's, there is just something about that whole thing. It's just... It, it's, a, oh, the, it's, it's like a story that you would write in junior school. Yes. About the bad men wanting to inject the world's children with drugs. And spiders. And spiders. But then I turned into a robot. <laughs> and the bad and, men went and the away. Ba- and I screamed at the bad men and their heads blew up. Yes. And in, <laughs> as I say, immediately... And, and the villain was the man from Home Alone. Yes. <laughs> Although he did Home Alone after this, in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that's the closest that... I nearly lo- I lost my nerve with this film. About twenty minutes in, I was going to text you and say, "Am I watching the right film?" Because all I knew about Moonwalker was that Michael Jackson turns into a robot. Yeah, uh, I think that might be all anyone knows about it. Um, courtesy of Rick Baker, I think uh, he's definitely credited at one point. Yes, uh, the 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 effects work on the film. It's actually, I think it's genuinely very good. Uh, maybe. I Maybe I was just in a bad mood at that point. It's, I mean, it's all a bit of a, you can tell that Michael Jackson sat there and gone, oh, and it has to, he, he's listed all the films that he likes. So it has to be like this bit from, uh, so that you get the clouds in the sky that kind of from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Ghostbusters, where they look all dark and sinister. And then to him turning into a robot looks a, bit like the last Starfighter with a bit of Tron thrown in. But I suppose they're all right. The um earlier in the earlier in the sequence, the um the whole third man motif. Oh god yes. That came from the director, Colin Chilvers, who showed um mm. uh, Jackson some clips in the third man and he loved it. He loved the whole aesthetic of it. Yeah. Um so I think it's more that it's the director bringing yes, all the material. I mean this is Chilver's only feature directing credit. Interesting, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I suppose I, I didn't look into the director. I saw his 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 name is all over every big budget visual effects movie of the eighties. And his three nephews are the Corbold brothers, who are responsible for every blockbuster movie shot in the UK in the last 15 years. Every Bond film, half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Inception. They've, wow. got, they've got three Oscars between them. For what? Oscars for what? Uh, Inception. Oh, sorry, I meant what role? Um, visual effects. Oh, visual effects. Okay, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, they're they're big names. They're like Christopher Nolan's best pals. It's, I, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I know you, you kind of wonder with the, it's a bit. You wonder with the director showing Michael Jackson the uh, the Third Man, and you, you kind of wonder if there's a. It, almost like George Lucas on the Phantom Menace, where you can see that everyone is terrified to be in a room with. George Lucas and no one wants to say no to him and I wonder if that was the same kind of thing with Michael Jackson absolutely yeah nobody's saying no and then this guy comes in and goes oh have you seen this and it's suddenly showing something that he'd never considered yeah. and just thinking yeah that looks brilliant because of course it looks brilliant I mean, he, I mean Jackson had the common sense or maybe his manager had the common sense to bring in well who's the best per- who's the best person we can bring in I want someone who's a, like a real technical person who, know, who knows all this stuff that we don't know. Like mm. Colin Chilvers, he's an expert, yeah. and he brings all this not wealth of knowledge and experience that he's got. Saying, "Well, how about this? How about this? Oh, great! This is exactly why we hired you because you know all this stuff." Yeah, it's kind of frustrating that there's so little information, or I couldn't seem to find very much about the making of the film because I would love to know if they'd approached like ILM or whether Michael Jackson. I think Michael Jackson was friends with Spielberg, wasn't he? Or well, at least he loved E.T. He loved E.T. He'd, he actually worked with Francis Ford Coppola because oh, they right. did Captain EO. Of course, yeah. Um, the interactive Disney carnival Thing. ride. For, it was 4D or so. There, it had some big gimmick. Oh, that, but, it's got water pistols in the chairs. I Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, every now and again it blew hot air. Hey, do you want to go on D-Box? <laughs> it's like a movie except it fires you through the fucking ceiling. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? I mean, I don't know about you, but I find motion sickness is an essential component hey, of it. Hey, do you want to see the French lieutenant's woman in D-Box? The, but, yeah, whether maybe they did approach Francis Ford Coppola, who suddenly decided he was busy doing something. He was, he was busy. Making one from the heart or something. I think it was Tucker, the man in his dream. Oh, right. Around this time. And he was desperately trying to find an excuse not to do The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> What if I cast my daughter? That'll stop them from funding it. <laughs> but you know, but you've, I and maybe yeah. I I just I'd love to know. I'm almost disappointed that there isn't a director's commentary on the DVD because. Now um, I got a cheap uh, DVD from about ten years ago. You got the Blu-ray. Yes. Um, is there anything on there? Any any extras at all? I don't think so. I think it might have interactive menus. Oh wow! Mine had a trailer. Yes, no, mine. Oh, the trailer's fantastic um, because the trailer makes it look like a proper film with a structure, um, and it ends with um, this fantastic. I never thought I could be nostalgic for a font, 
But oh. the trailer ends with this fantastic 80s sort of chrome-style font where the letters are reflecting bits of the background. It, what it, it reminded me instantly of was the logo for ZX... There used to be a company that made games for the ZX Spectrum called Ultimate Play the Game. And they had exactly the same style chrome-lettered font. And it was a real blast of nostalgia. <laughs> but yes, trailer and that's it. But I'd love a director's commentary. I did look online to see if there was much analysis of the film. Yeah. Um, pulling it apart, maybe some insight as to what the filmmakers are thinking. No. No, it's just forgotten. Then, I, I found more analysis of the tie-in video game than I did of the film. Oh, yes. <laughs> which was, as far as I can tell, a fairly standard platform mm. game based on the Smooth Criminal segment. I thought, well, yeah, obviously, to make money, that's fair enough. Yeah. But that's... Uh, that's that's like a historical curio, and this is, this is like reading someone's diary, but it's the diary of <laughs> a, a very odd person. Yeah. Um. So um, after the opening man in the mirror segment, we th- we have the career retrospective mm. sequence, which is all, it's very elaborate. Yeah. We've got all this panning across, beautifully laid out dressing tables covered in mm. mementos and we've got animation, we've got stop motion footage, we've got visual effects things as we go through Jackson's whole career. It's just shame it's a bit boring. Yeah, it, you know, the, the horrible abuse from his father is never mentioned anywhere no. in the movie. And it was it was it was this was the section that threw me because the concert footage you think, okay, fine. Nobody's turned into a robot, but that's obviously coming later. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a sensible way to start. But then you get into the retrospective, which which just goes on and on. It never kind of makes it clear what's... You're just watching... Suddenly you're watching... A, and I, I was sort of thinking, OK, is this film... So it's a documentary about his life then. That's not what I was expecting. But and that's like an authorised documentary. Mm. An authorised film autobiography. I thought, that would be a reasonable film. Yeah. I mean, it would be a vanity project, obviously, but that's... Fine, and you get various, uh, but it's frustrating as well because you get little snippets of songs, and so you're just starting to enjoy. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good one, and then it's on to the next one and on to the next one, and, and you know we get we get excerpts from the theme from Ben. Oh yeah, singing to a sewer full of rats. Yeah, now that's a film I must try and track down at some point. There's, there's a little bit of a, a little tiny robot dancing around on an edit bay machine. Yes, there is, isn't there? I mean, there's quite a sophisticated, at least I assume it's quite a sophisticated special effects shot, whereas it's panning across the dressing table, the pictures in the photo frames change. Oh, yes. Um, and I went back over that a couple of times and couldn't quite work out, I assume it's just motion control, and they just swap. It looks like motion control. But it's, it's very, very well done. It's yeah. very seamless. The eff- I mean, the effects work is... I mean, mm. there's no part of the film that looks... Like they've half-assed it in a technical sense. No. Or they haven't spent enough money. I could. They've not cut any corners. Except maybe for the horrible blue screen work in the next section, but we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, yes. Um, but no, it, it looks fine, but it's just a slightly rambling career retrospective, and you just think, well, okay, what's. What's this all about where's, now? Where's this going? What, yeah. what narrative thread are you trying to draw here? Mm. And if I, it's just the story of his life, fine. But you need to kind of 
You can't just fire a bunch of stuff at us and expect it to go here. No. When you're adding in bits like a dancing tiny robot. And this was the point when I started to think I'd bought the wrong film off Amazon. <laughs> I just assumed that there was another... I thought what I'd done was I thought I'd fallen for the kind of the, the rope-a-dog trick. I thought I'd, that somebody else... Who's the company that... that the Asylum. Asi- I thought I'd bought the Asylum Pictures version of Moonwalker, where there's actually a Michael Jackson film called Moonwalkers, and it's entirely different. There is a film called Moonwalkers, but it's about, I think, a faked moon landing. Oh, okay. So it's totally different. Oh, yeah. That, well, it could have been a film about. Um, I was trying to think who's like the pound band Michael Jackson. Ooh, uh, um, mind boggles. I... Millie Vanilli? <laughs> yes, cool, but quite possibly, yeah. One of Millie Vanilli is now a very mm. successful music producer. Yes, don't ask about the other one, though, because it didn't one, end The happening. other one is dead. Yes. Just like uh, the kids from Mary Poppins. <laughs> Because that's obviously great. That's what everyone wants to think about when yeah. they think about a loved family film is that all the kids are dead. No, one of them's dead. Oh, okay. The boy's dead. The Karen Detrice is um, still around. Oh, well, good. Um, and is having a great career as Roy Detrice's um, sister-in-law. Uh, no, daughter. What am I talking about? Edward Woodward's sister-in-law. Blimey. Because Edward Woodward was married to Michelle Detrice. Callan was married to Betty Spencer. Yes, that was what I was just... Tra- Sorry, I was just having to try and... Try work to bend it. your brain around that. Um, so after we've been through this uh, selection of brainwashing... Yes. Um, it leads into the recreation of the bad music That's video. it, with, but with kids. But with children. Yeah. Now, the bad music... The original bad music video, do you know who directed it? No. Uh, Martin Scorsese. Okay. Such is yeah. the, the power of Jackson. Yeah. That the greatest directors in the world were doing his music videos. That's just... It's, it's, I mean... That's just look, astonishing. Looking back now, it's, it's hard to describe how famous he was. Yeah. He was the most famous person in the world. I suppose the funny thing, I kind of lived... Through it, and I suppose in a way you just kind of take it's just like this trees is, or this something. This is normal. Yeah, exactly. He's just there, and it's not till you actually stop and look back at it and go, "No, that was insane." It's it's not so much that he was so famous, but that his fame was the result of what we would now see as being mass marketing mm. and a very carefully constructed public image courtesy of his manager and also his father. And very, I mean, clever pieces of marketing as well, the, the business with the Thriller video, the fact that it was the longest video that had ever been made up yeah. to that point. At some point, in must have been 83 or 84, BBC Two stopped. I think it was BBC Two. I should could check it on Genome. But it stopped for like 13 minutes to show the Thriller video. Oh. And... I looked at the Radio Times and seen that it was on, and so I went down to watch it, and my brother came down. And then my mum and dad came in as well, because they'd heard this thriller thing that all the kids were talking about. And my entire family sat down to watch the thriller video. And I've subsequently talked to a few other people and found that was a fairly common thing. So whether this was the first time it had been shown in its full, full length or something. But yes, so as you say, it was just... He was just huge. So the idea of this... 
this self-parody because mm. they perform the entire song. Or they don't perform it. They perform the entire video with the full-length song, yeah. but it's children. Yeah, and it it's... It's, 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 it's kind of good fun, in a way. Yeah, I mean, did you like Bugsy Malone? Yes, I did. Okay. When, when um, again, sorry, this is a... At the time, my, my dad was in the army, we were living out in Germany, and I could only assume that the British Army on the Rhine, at a, in about 1980, bought a video recorder. <laughs> and once a week, it would it would go round, somebody would borrow it, and it would go round to their house, and it would go round to the house. There were only four films. There was Bugsy Malone, there was Superman, there was The Land That Time Forgot, and there was Grease. And so once a week you would go round to whoever's turn it was to have the video recorder and you would watch the same four films that you had watched last week. Uh, I, there may well have been other films that kids weren't allowed to see. I wasn't privy to that at the time. But yes, yeah, so I'd seen Bugs in Malone quite a lot and I've got a bit of a soft spot for it. Bonnie Langford's brilliant in it. Well, among the, um, the dancers... In the, in the video, it was actually the the lead comes up back later in the movie. Mm, yes, Brandon Adams is, is plays Zeke in the, the Smooth Criminal section. Uh, you also have Nikki Cox, later of American TV. She was in the Norm Macdonald sitcom. Okay, and um, I want to get her name right, Marissa Tancharian. Uh, who is now co-showrunner of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> okay. And uh, Joss Whedon's sister-in-law. Right. Do you reckon that once a year somebody thinks they're going to be really clever and buy her Moonwalker for I a birthday so, yeah. present? I think that she probably gets a copy from every single member of the cast and crew yeah. of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every year. Yeah. Um, I did write down that I felt that the the notion of the, the, the badder... Yeah, it does feel like a skit from the Russ Abbott show. Yeah, I but I suppose you can see. You can see how it would have appealed to Michael Jackson the idea of oh let's get some kids to do yeah. this. It'll be cute. It'll be funny. It's it's fine. Um, I didn't realize. I, I suppose I didn't kind of. I haven't seen the video for Bad for years. I don't think I realized it was just a straight remake of that. I think it's even entirely possible that when I was watching this last night, I just assumed that that was the video for Bad, and that that was the gimmick, was that that it was kids instead of Michael Jackson. <laughs> because at least two or three of the sections of this film are... Leave Me Alone is just the it's video. It's just film. a music video, yeah. yeah. And even Smooth Criminal, I think, was just an edited version of the sequence that's in this film. Yeah. So I think I just assumed that was the Bad video. <laughs> And as it ends, you can actually, there's a little detail right in the background because the idea is that it's set in the concourse of a subway station. Mm. And there's a sign in the background which would normally say, to all trains. But you can just about read that it says, to all choo-choos. Oh, I missed that. And so they, 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 leave, they leave the set in inverted commas and they walk through a cloud of dry ice or mm. fog or something and Michael and his entourage walk out into the street and now they're adults. And there are some tourists at the film studio and they're made of claymation. Yes. And they see Michael Jackson and they start chasing after him. And when we cut to long shot, they're not animated anymore. No. They're actors wearing gigantic, grotesque 
Yes, Lost. it's like something out of It's a Knockout or something. And uh, at least a couple of them, I realised that some of the ones further to the back appear to be holding their heads quite carefully. <laughs> so that was obviously take two. Uh, the film, I think at this point, pretty much dissolves into stream of consciousness. Yeah, I, th- already. I think this is the point when you just realise, OK, fine, this is just going to be an assembly of, of things. When, for some reason, I... I link this to something like the Animatrix, but that's a collection of short films, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's that's a de- deliberate anthology. Yeah. Well, this is kind of an anthology, but just as you say, just uh, an unthemed. I suppose, if anything, it's themed a bit around the album about around Bad, isn't it? And that's kind of it. Yes. And yeah, and then. And then he he puts on a. He's chased around the film studio and there's a western being filmed with people with big heads. Big, big heads, yes. And he's chased into the um, costume store where he disguises himself as a rabbit biker. Yeah. And cycles away on a push bike that turns into a motorbike. Yeah. And gets chased by everyone. And there was at least one point in that when he's riding on the push bike, and I think that's the point when it suddenly gets dark and there's a moon and it's like, oh, okay, fine, they're going to do the E.T. Mm. joke. They didn't do the E.T. gag because their minds were on higher things. It just... This is the sequence, I think, that looks technically bad. Yes. Because for some reason they've made the decision to do all the... Obviously, all the claymation figures are stop motion and they're blue screened on, but it's very, very shoddy compositing work. Everyone's got, like, blue lines around them. and It just doesn't, doesn't look great. It doesn't. It doesn't really work when it's matted into the speeded up background footage. No. Um, and the song. I mean, the. It's a boring it, song. It's an odd choice it? of song. It's Speed Demon, which is one of the two songs on Bad that yeah. wasn't released as a single. So, it's kind of an odd choice, even though it does fit. It's a it's a motorbike mm. chase. So speed makes sense. But, it's just it's not sufficiently engaging. No. No, it's the. I think this. This might be the weakest sequence. I'm, I think it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, there, there are points in the movie where I just stop bothering to take notes and thought, this is a music. Yeah, video. it's just. It's not stuff. Worth the yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing happening here, to to dig into. Oh, I don't know. The the, the leave me alone. The leave me alone one is an exception. There's that one's very. Oodles of subtext on that. But the the smooth criminal video, I thought. It's yeah, fine. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a great song. It's actually a really good video, mm. but there's there's nothing else there no. really, which is fine. Yeah, because that's the point. I suppose the the thing that threw me a little bit with the Speed Demon sequence, and and this again is is kind of where it's frustrating that there's so little information about the thinking behind this. It's a it's not a great song. It's not really what I'd particularly think of as a Michael Jackson song. I just kind of put something out, put put thriller in there, but I guess they just wanted maybe they did just want to produce almost an extended music video for well, bad. Well it it's it was supposed to time with the bad mm. tour, so it was an extension of that, an extension of the album. Yeah. So although there is a lot of retrospective material, the focus is on his the new stuff. work. Yeah. yeah. There's Man in the Mirror and yeah. um Smooth Criminal, where I think the two other big ones that yes. are bad as well, and then and or and also Speed Demon because maybe they thought maybe they'd release that as a single and change their know. minds further down the line. 
Yeah, possibly. Or they'd just had this, or, or Michael had come up with this hilarious idea of being chased by <clears throat> claymation figures, and they went down the list of songs on the Bad Album and tried to find one that <laughs> gave them some ideas. Um, but they, they, they go out to the, uh, they're stopped by a giant policeman, and then Michael gets out to the desert and takes off the costume, and then the costume comes to life, and they have yes. a dance off. Yes, and then he's fined for dancing in a no-dancing zone. And yeah, it's all... And then the rabbit, rabbit's face appears on a giant rock face and winks at him. Yes. <laughs> and then that sequence ends. This is the work of a man who didn't have a childhood. I suppose so, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I keep talking about Joe Jackson and... Oh, he's, he was on. He's one, he's one of those people who you just can't libel because no matter what you might say about him... He was worse. I was going to say, is he dead? Nope. No, in that case, I'm going to restrict it to saying he was horrible. Because um, I think that's provable. Yeah, he, uh, he, he was an abusive father. Yeah. Uh, psychologically and by all accounts, physically as well. Mm. And he, he pretty much psychologically destroyed Michael as a child and he never recovered. Yeah. And that's, a, I think, a main reason of why he turned out as strange a person as he did. Mm. The elephant in the room is the, the child abuse allegations yes, yeah. against Michael, the, the paedophilia. We, we don't know. No, that's the problem. Is he, is, he was such a strange man that it could have been either, and yet he may not even have been aware of what he was doing. He may not have been aware about the terrible things that he was doing. Yeah. yeah. So, innocent until proven guilty, I think, in that case given that they actually went to court and they couldn't prove anything. No, that's it. It's, it's Yeah, I, don't, I kind of don't, don't have anything constructive to add, unfortunately. Um, are you familiar... Oh, well, I'm not familiar with the TV series um, Atlanta. Uh, I've heard of it, haven't seen which, it. Which uh, is running now on BBC Two. OK. Um, as of this recording, it's on tomorrow. Right. Um, there was recently an episode... Um, that focused on the idea of um, abusive fathers to musicians. Uh, it's Atlanta's a bit of a strange program because it's ostensibly a comedy series, but this was a pretty much full-on horror story oh, okay. about one character who goes off to a um, remote mansion to pick up a free piano and finds that it's uh, occupied by a very odd-looking man um, with very pasty white, almost mask-like features, whose brother uh, is African-American and was a very successful pianist, um, and who has developed some sort of um, photosensitivity, which okay. means he to live in the cellar. And the parallel was clearly with Michael Jackson, yeah. that there were these, this, this divided sense of himself, this... Uh, the, the African-American musician who was being kept hidden away so that to, to make him more marketable to white America. And then the creepy uh, white, in inverted commas, figure mm. who would present his face to the world. And the episode ends, in fact, with the, the brother emerging from the basement having been in some way injured by his, uh, his white brother, um, he shoots the brother and then shoots himself. 
Okay. <laughs> and at one point, it's it's mentioned the, the the white brother Teddy describes wanting to turn the house into a museum for his brother's work, but also with a, a wing devoted to fathers who have encouraged their children to be successes, and the, the emphasis was very much on those mm. fathers and parents in general who have been emotionally abusive to drive their yeah. offspring to be successful. And it's mentioned Joe Jackson, um, the Williams sisters' father, who is apparently mm. not, oh, as, yes, not yes. as bad, but I don't want to meet him. Yeah. Well, you do, there, there's a whole, you know, uh, there's a whole subset of horrible, pushy parents and things. Was it Tonya Harding's parents? Tonya Harding's mother. Yeah. I, I don't think her father was in the picture. But uh, in not so much in that sense. I mean, in Atlanta specifically, the emphasis oh, is yeah, on yeah. Af- the African-American experience. Okay. Yeah. So the focus is there. Although, although we do mention uh, Emilio Estevez's dad in The Breakfast Club. Okay. And that's, that's sort of offhand as a joke. Um, but I think there is, there is also the, the race element there. That, yeah, yeah, that's that, true. That um, African-American parents have to drive for, they have to almost punish their children to be successful, uh, to succeed in, yeah. in white America. I suppose, and it's, it's di- again, this is difficult territory for me to talk about because I have no real knowledge or experience Well, yeah, of it. I mean, that's the thing, that we're two guys in the, the early stages of middle age white, white yeah. British straight men talking about American racial issues and it's but but at the same time even the but what's interesting as well is that even the sort of the the British experience of race is different because there was as you say that whole element of Michael Jackson being effectively the first breakthrough African American artist who seemed to really have success with white America in the UK you had bands like Boney M you had mixed race bands like darts people and it was never in certainly in the music industry it just never seemed to be an issue and with the the fans to whom they were appealing mm. it was just oh this is great music we're, exactly, we're, we're, yeah. not, we're not interested with the the race of the musicians is no. is incidental no and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the of the stories about when uh, american soldiers came over to britain in the second world war and the english couldn't understand all this business about separating out the African-American soldiers because as far as the English were concerned they were all just American soldiers Yeah, and it's one of those things that has, it's just difficult for me to get my head around because obviously the UK is a long way from being any kind of equal opportunities paradise but I think the experience of race in this country is just so different that that's one side of it that I really have trouble understanding yes I, I, I know what you mean have you I mean um Atlanta is the work of Donald Glover, as you probably know. And he, a few days ago, he released a new music video called "This Is America." Okay. Have you seen this at all? It's I can't say how. It's had about a hundred million views on YouTube. Okay, not from me, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> it's a very interesting piece of work. It is sort of functions like a short film. Right. And it, 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 you can almost draw a connection to Moonwalker because it's clearly his thoughts and his imagination just poured out on film but in a way that's actually coherent and you know, has something to say. Um, and it is about the idea of um, the certain elements of race being at the forefront, the musical elements, the dance, of the, the, um, uh, the more acceptable to an older generation, mm. perhaps, parts. While in the background you've got people committing suicide, you've got police chases, you've got all kinds of carnage. And so it's some things 
distracting you from things that you don't oh, want to I think see. about okay. in terms of um, race relations. Ah. It's a very sophisticated piece of work. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll have to go and have a look at this now. I have to make it one mi- 100 million and one. He, uh, it is frustrating how talented the hog lover is. <laughs> well, because he is a musician, singer, dancer, actor, comedian. He's in a new Star Wars movie. Know, yeah. he, hosted, he hosted Saturday Night Live and was fantastic. <laughs> it's like, stop doing this. Yeah, yeah, stop, stop, stop being you. <laughs> the only reason he wasn't the new Spider-Man was that he was too old. Apparently, from what I hear, that's the only reason. Oh, yes, yeah. Because they've had, in the comics, there's been an African-American spider. Yes, yeah, oh, his name, name escapes me now, yeah. Miles yeah. Morales? Miles Morales, that's it, yes, yeah. Um, who's, I think, mixed race. Yeah. He's um, half, half, half African-American, half uh, Latino. But um, he, he's actually in Spider-Man Homecoming, he has a little support. Oh, OK. Role. But um, he would have been a great Spider-Man. Mm. But, you know, he's going to not be something... Well, you know, but given Hollywood's success with de-aging technology, I'm sure that maybe they could knock something up for the next film. Maybe. I mean, they're doing another Spider-Man, so... Mm. So, we, after the Speed Demon sequence, we just fade to black and fade in on a complete music video that plays mm. in isolation. I wonder if they just needed to bo- to boost the running time or something. Maybe, but I mean, it's it's terrific that it's the music video for "Leave Me Alone" because uh, the fact that this this is a video in which let's see if I've got this right. Michael Jackson is giant. Michael Jackson is chained down and turned into an amusement park by tiny Lilliputian people who are holding him back and uh, and keep referring to things like uh, stories that aren't true, like he sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber and. He, um, He's got a shrine to the Taylor. Yes, which all are apparently stories that Michael Jackson had leaked to the press anyway. Um, really? Frank DeLeo, his manager, is supposedly the person that planted those stories, and the assumption is that it was either done with Jackson's knowledge or outright approval on the basis that it would either be funny or um, at least that all publicity was good publicity. So, yes, I like the fact that, that there's an entire video dedicated to whining about how unfairly treated Michael Jackson is by the press when it's his fault. Well, so I was a little bit more sympathetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, firstly, the idea of him be- thinking about him having this rollercoaster built over him, it did remind me of uh, the line, treating your body like an amusement park is a, a euphemism for masturbation in an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, this, the song is about a failed relationship mm. but the video oh, yes. is much more uh, stop treating me like I'm a freak yes well yes stop <laughs> stop getting Frank DeLeo to leak stories to the press then yeah yeah I mean there's the, the whole thing with John Merrick's skeleton which yeah another that was I thought in poor taste another one apparently that was I think that was leaked mm. that yeah apparently a lot of these stories but I read there's a really good biography of Michael Jackson, which I should give credit to, which is by a guy called, and I'm never going to get his name right. J. Randy Peccadillo. It's very, very close to that, yeah. Oh, no, and It's like J. Randy Tarabarelli or something like that, and it's, it's well worth reading. I haven't read it for about five years, unfortunately, so I don't have is, the fine detail to hand. Is it written um, post-mortem? 
he did do it. I think it was updated oh. when he died. So yes, it did. I think the original, I think the original volume may be covered up to the trial, um, and then the new version, yes, obviously just goes up to uh, up to his the, death. What that? Really? Yeah, and. It's uh, I, I often with biography. I'm a very bad reader. If I'm reading a biography, I can't be bothered with all the boring childhood stuff. I just skip to the stuff I'm interested in. Um, sorry, Adam Ant, I didn't read. You don't care about where you went to school. No, um, but in the case of Michael Jackson, it's all compelling. The, the terrible thing is, it's all comp- it's a compelling story. Um, you know, and yes, it's it's a, it's well worth tracking down and reading. It's like nine hundred pages, though, so you could use it to stun cats if you if you have a need. Oh no, you know, kill burglars more like. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I've I read the life and death of Peter Sellers, and that's the longest book I've ever read, and it's one thousand one hundred pages. Yes. In fact, it's longer to read than he was alive. Yeah. Um, I do. I like the Believe Me Alone video. Mm. I think uh, it has that sort of odd mix of live action and animation. Yeah, it's. And it's very colourful and very mm. stylized, and all these great images of this tunnel of iguanas and the, the big teeth. Uh, that's it. It was the teeth particularly. It reminded me, it's not Terry Gilliam, but it did not remind me of some of his... And, and again, it's that thing of thinking Michael Jackson could literally go and work with anyone he wanted. I just wish he'd gone to try and work with Terry Gilliam. If he'd asked Terry Gilliam to do a music video... I mean, Terry Gilliam, I don't think he's ever done a music video. I thought, yeah. he would, I mean... It's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Him, it would have ended up three billion dollars on the budget and, <laughs> and set burning down. Yes, and wouldn't have been finished. But yeah, he finally gets to show his Don Quixote movie at Cannes, and then he has a stroke. Oh for no! Example. He's he's going to be okay, um, and then Amazon drops its distribution of the movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that Onion article is gradually coming true about the the, the barbecue being four million dollars over budget. <laughs> It just, yeah. But no, for somebody with his visual style, yeah, I'd love to have seen her. And it's funny, actually, the, the as you say, that's that sort of photo animation, I don't quite know how to describe it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, um, I think, Paul Simon, Graceland hadn't come out many years before this, and I think the video for The Boy in the Bubble is very similar in style. Mm. Um, it could have been the same director. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it might have been, actually. I think it came out around the same time. My dad was a big fan of Graceland. So there's a lot of music connections to my family with this uh, yes, episode. Yes. What is my mum like? Aaron Copeland. And John Williams. Oh, well, there you go, yes. It's not John... No. John no, it's not John it's Williams. It's not John Williams. But someone's clearly been listening to a lot of John Williams before writing yeah, that music. No, yes, yes. I assumed it was. That for, for the whole... I mean, robot spaceship sequence. Yeah, I can imagine the only reason it wasn't John Williams was because he was busy doing yeah. something else. Because if Michael Jackson reads on and says, "I'm not going to do the voice," actually, that's, no. that's a bad <laughs> idea. Hi, John. I'd like you to write a, a small amount of music for my new short film. It's only thirty-five minutes long. What do you think? Here's a you, bushel he, of money. Here yeah. is a lot of money. Yeah. I say yes, of course. I'll use it to fund the orchestra that I run wherever it is that it runs. Yeah. But it does, it's fascinating, it is a... Scor- Boston, that's it. Is it? Sorry. Oh. No, no, I, all I was going to say was it's a soundtrack, it sounds like somebody's put John Williams on shuffle and walked away. But yeah, it's just... It's it's Bruce Broughton. Mm. It's, 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 it's fine. Yeah. As, as John Williams, I mean, 
it's not really John Williams pastiche because it's sincere. Yeah. Someone's actually tried to do it properly. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much in, in the smooth criminal section. Now. In the main sequence. Well, the movie's halfway through mm. and we're finally getting into the start of the movie. Into the bit that I'd heard of where he turns into a robot. Well, there's a lot of stuff going yeah. on in this section, isn't there? Yes. Because we've got some kids hanging around on a rooftop. One of whom is Sean Lennon. And who does nothing. No. I think he's, he's there just because he's Sean Lennon. That's, again, a, a bit of context to this would be fantastic. I don't know if... This was the point where Jackson had bought the publishing rights mm. to the Lennon and McCartney catalogue. Which makes the inclusion of um, Come, Together. Come Together seem very cynical. I don't think so. Um, oh, okay. Um, uh, I, I was. I watched this in a he, much more mean-spirited way than you did. He'd released "Come Together" as a, as a single, and that was his favourite Beatles song. Oh, okay. Oh, fine. I, I completely misinterpreted that. Then I started watching it and uh, watching the "Come Together" sequence, and thought, "Why is Michael Jackson ending this film with a song that isn't his?" Um, and then I remembered, as you say, that he'd bought the Beatles rights. And I just assumed that there was that kind of backhanded thing that meant that Michael Jackson gets some money for singing a song in his own film. But, yeah, I think, I'm, I think it's possible I'm in the wrong on this one, and I'm but, just being unfair. But the thing is, he wrote the other song, so he gets money from those. He doesn't get money for this one, because he didn't write it. He owns the publishing rights. He doesn't own. The, okay, I thought he gets money whenever it's played, or. But he owns the. But he. But yeah. for, for the other ones, he owns the publishing rights to his own songs. True, but I suppose it's the difference between an artist. You see, it's suddenly that decision for for somebody in a film. It's all Michael Jackson songs, and then suddenly it's it's a non-Michael Jackson song. Yeah, and you think. Okay, why is this one? But if it's to be fair, if it's his favourite Beatles song. That's as... And it's it sounds the, the arrangement of it, the performance of it, it sounds like a Michael Jackson mm. song. It's, and it's good. I, I, yeah, it's, to, to, to its credit, having just been very very cynical about why it's there, it's it actually it's a good version of the song, and it sounds terrific. It ought to be said. I mean, maybe we haven't been sufficiently complimentary, but there is a reason why he was the most famous yes. man in the world. He was a unique talent as a singer. He was mm. an extraordinary songwriter and dancer and performer he had unmatched stage presence yeah oh I, I, there's no one since Elvis has no that's right been, the, justifiably as big a star as Michael Jackson there's um then this is going somewhere but on the Mary Whitehouse experience Hugh Dennis used to have a character who was called like an embarrassing dad who the the context was that he would always walk in when you were watching Top of the Pop and go watch this it's got a really good beat to it and then dance with the stars sticking yeah, up that's the one yeah and it's difficult for me to talk about Michael Jackson without sounding like an embarrassing dad but well, yeah it sounds it's great you know Smooth yeah. Criminal's brilliant the, about the of, of all the songs in this I think I'm not so fond of Leave Me Alone or Speed Demon. Speed but apart from that, yeah, the soundtrack's brilliant when it's not doing faux John Williams. I don't, I, I don't mind And the even the John, yeah. Even that is, it's, it's exactly what it's trying to be. Yes. And it's not, and it's not sort of overemphasised either. It's not too tree clear or anything. No, that's true. It's just... It's the soundtrack to great long special effects sequences that are meant to be interesting in their own right because they're special effects sequences, yeah. and they're not. And mm. I think that's possibly the problem I've got with those bits. But yeah, Michael Jackson, 
And I think I can probably say this without getting a cease and desist letter from Columbia or whoever his publisher was. First album I pirated was Fuller. Oh. Um, because I... the radio? No. Um, a, a friend at school said, oh, I've got this new album. And I'd... This would have been about 83, so I don't even think Thriller would come out of, come out as a single at this point. No, um, I think it was the last single to yeah. come out. But I'd obviously heard the other incredibly famous songs which are not springing to mind from Thriller. Billie Jean. Yeah, Billy. oh, of course, Billy Jean beat it, yes. Um, um, and I asked him to do a copy of the album. So Thriller was the very, my, my first pirate. Human Nature. Don't don't remember that one actually. But what? Da, 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 da. I have to cut this out. It doesn't matter. But what what was it? It's in the movie. Ah, uh, I think I may have I may have lost interest at that ah. point. Uh, I may have been sitting there trying to. Uh, Why is he singing at a sofa full of rats? <laughs> yes, yes. Who knows? Um, with Thriller. That was the point when I also realised I wasn't the kind of person that likes albums because I listened to it and went, well, I like Billie Jean, I like Beat It, I don't like all this other material. I don't like all these love songs. Yeah, I don't Ooh. like all these. Uh, and that was the point when I became the kind of person that just buys Best Of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that now. Yeah. Best of the Beatles. Best album. I actually bought my mum Best of the Beatles, I think, for her birthday. I among, bought, among other things. Yeah. And she liked it because it's the Beatles. Of course. And they're yeah. great. Michael Jackson. Oh, no, no. Uh, Paul McCartney bought back the publishing. Did he? He did get them. I'm, I can't say I'm surprised. I think it was after Jackson died. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some little kids on the roof waiting for Michael to come out of his music shop. Music shop. And it's not really clear why the kids are on the roof. Although at some point later, it's revealed that they're homeless or something. Are they? I thought somebody made some comment about them being homeless kid. Joe Pesky might have said it, so maybe we shouldn't believe anything he says because he's a bad man. Yeah, he's an evil drug man. Mm. Um, but uh, just as he's leaving to go out in his 1930s suit, suddenly an army of masked killers turn up with machine guns and machine gun everything. Yes. And then we have a flashback to a Meadow where yeah. they're playing catch with a, a football, a soccer ball yes. specifically, and capering around in a covered bridge, and Michael's wearing a cardigan. And it's all soft focus and lovely. Yes. And I had to pause it because I couldn't stop laughing. It looks like the bit when they used to introduce Captain Kirk's love interest, doesn't it? <laughs> and, the, and the picture goes out of focus because they've smeared Vaseline on the lens, yeah. But it, again, it made me think, is, is this what Michael actually thinks childhood is supposed to be like? Because it's... I think, yeah, this actually looks quite nice, and it's just... They're just having fun and playing with the dog. And the, the, I, this all looks really nice. And he's thinking, "Oh, I wish I had a childhood like this." Thought, yeah, oh, maybe. That's a bit sad. I, I don't. Or, or is it just that this is the kind of material that people think Michael Jackson wants served up? To? Yeah, there's there's no way of knowing, is, or is there? It this, or is, the, is this the kind of wholesome fun yeah. that he wants people to think he would enjoy? Hmm. Well, is, yes, is, that's is, the is, cynical. Is, is, the, is, it, is, it, is it public image or is it mm. sincere? Because it's all that, it's weird that you don't know which is which, yeah. given that he was such a peculiar man. It, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really hard to know, isn't it? And it's difficult, it's kind of difficult to describe as well, isn't it? You know, because, again, you've got all this knowledge of what came afterwards. Mm. Um, I was going somewhere with this and my powers of 
speech of deserted me. Well, the dog grabs the ball and runs off. Yeah. Into, into the woods, and they find a creepy cave full of cobwebs. Yes, and, and spiders. There's a spider button to press, and they yeah. find it's a big underground complex and at the bottom of it is Joe Pesci with a globe covered in tarantulas <laughs> talking about how he wants to turn the world's children to drug addicts so that he'll be famous. Because I, I yes, I believe all the drugs around the coasts, and this is annoying Joe, I think he has a line about all the drugs around the coast they need to get them into the middle. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it's, it's just drugs generally. It's not like no. heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's just like drugs. It's just an anodyne, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and again, it's this, it's it's the unsophisticated nature of it that really frustrates me because I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to, I don't think, the, if you ask the Children's Film Foundation to make a film about people selling drugs, they would have come up with something considerably more nuanced than this. Or just something that doesn't look as painfully naive. Yeah, and as I say, it just, this was the sequence when I, I, it it really annoyed me because there, there's just something there's something about the treatment of this particular subject. I just found it was a, as you say offensively na- naive and it just doesn't doesn't work for me. But whether this is Michael Jackson's whether this is just he'd just gone off and said oh do a film about a bad man selling drugs to kids or whether he actually sat down and wrote it out in a lot more detail, we'll never know. No. I mean, you, you might have noticed that during a lot of the film, he's wearing an armband. No, I can't say I'm... Well, he is. Um, and apparently that was a symbol to raise awareness for the suffering of the world's children, just in, in general terms. Right. Because he felt very strongly about this sort of thing. But then, why not do something about... Because obviously he'd been involved in the We Are The World project. Which he wrote, which yeah, I didn't yeah. know. No, I don't think I'd realised. I don't think I'd realised that. It just seems odd that if he's concerned generally about, <laughs> I'm tempted to be glib and say if he's concerned about the suffering of the world's children, then why do this to them? <laughs> but you know what I mean. That, that you just feel that that something better. If he wants, if he wants to do something about it, again, he is the most famous mm. man in the world. There's more that he could do if he wants to yeah. just like put money into projects or some documentary or, yeah. or some media project to raise awareness and raise money. He could do that. Yeah. But instead you have it merged with this weird vanity project. Yeah. And I don't know, I suppose maybe that's the and maybe that's that's the whole that that's Michael Jackson is as you say, ultimately everything folds back and has to be about him. Yeah. Because his whole life was a, ha- yeah. has been a performance. He's never known really anything else. Mm. So it's always a matter of putting himself in the centre of any situation, any conversation. Yeah, but yes, so Joe Pesky is going to take... Could you start calling him Joe Pesci, please, rather than Joe Pesky? Because that's what his Beano counterpart is called. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Okay, yes, I will do my best to uh, pay attention to what people's names actually are rather than what I imagine them to be. He's also credited as Mr Big, which he's never referred to in dialogue. (sighs) No, but uh, that's, you know, I I guess you've got to call the character something. He gives his name, though. That's the other... He gives his name as... Frankie Ledeo. Oh, of course he Yes. Whilst Jackson's manager was Frankie DeLeo. Mm. So that's clearly a little a, 
a little joke at DeLeo's expense mm. that he's he's the Mr. Big behind everything. I suppose so. Again, which, he, which he is, but he's not like an evil Mr. Big. But uh, that, he's only victimizing one person. Yes, but that's again that's unless everybody is so in terror of offending Michael Jackson, why why would you allow your name to be parodied for? A, a, he's a producer on the film, and yet here he is having a, not just the villain, but a, a drug pushing villain. Um, named after him. I just find it odd. Maybe he just did it to demonstrate what a good sport he was or something. Maybe. I mean... Again, we're just speculating because, yeah. Because we don't know. Yeah. And he does actually appear briefly at the end of the movie. Does he? Oh, okay. Yes, he's at the the concert at the end. He's the one who um, talks to the kids and gives them their dog back. Oh, right. And he doesn't really look anything like Joe Pesci. He's a bit bigger and... Mm. A bit bulkier, and he's, he, I mean, he he seems nice. He probably wasn't. <laughs> he was he was probably a very hard-headed and cynical businessman. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talk about him as though he's dead. Mm. Please don't sue us. No, we, we don't have any money. We can't afford it. We have literally not many listeners. So I mean, <laughs> I spent eight quid buying the Blu-ray of Moonwalker. Yeah, for that. we're helping you. Yes. I bought my DVD secondhand. It was 50p. I don't know if this was secondhand or not, to be honest. I just bought it from Amazon. I think it was probably new. Yeah, I suspect they've got a big mountain of them. I suspect, I suspect that every year the woman whose name I've forgotten that's the producer on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just empties out the storage room and flogs oh, them on Amazon. Marissa Tancharian. That's her. Have we, met, we have mentioned her, haven't we? Yes, but I'm staying... Given that I can't even pronounce Joe... Uh, I'm not going near her. So drugs are bad. Yes. Um, and we we cut back to the, the, present. Uh, the present and it turns out that Michael has managed to escape um, from being gunned down. Oh, because there was a lucky star or something. Yes, there's the, he has, there are, there's the lucky shooting star all the way through the movie mm. which he wishes on and turns into things. Yes. Um... So there's a, a, a very third man style chase mm. as they run around all over the place. He wishes on his lucky star and turns into a super sports car that flies off. Yes. Um, and that's normal. That was actually a, a real concept car. That wasn't like a, mm. um, like a just like a fiberglass shell or anything. It was a real proper car. Um, and he arrives at club 30s just as the um, the kids get there as well uh, his suit changes colour I noticed oh okay I, I didn't I missed that bit then and as, as and he goes inside although the kids go in there first and it's all it's deserted all, yes. and covered in mess and everything and then Michael goes in and it's all full of people through the magic of through the magic his of personality Michael. and <laughs> he throws a coin across the room and it falls into the jukebox and uh, plays the song and I remember that Bob Mortimer claims that he once did the same thing, but it was with a fruit machine and he won the jackpot. <laughs> I'd like to believe so that's that, true. That was, a, that was my immediate thought. Oh, Bob Mortimer did that. And then it goes into the smooth Yeah, music which is video. terrific. Which is, yeah, it's great. There's lots of... The choreography on it is really mm. fantastic. Um, I like Michael breaking a, a pool ball in his hand. 
and then blow the dust in someone's face. Yes, yeah. I thought that was a good, tough guy thing to and do. And the bits where they're literally dance fighting, you know, there's literally, they will have a fight, but the fight is a sequence of dance moves and things. Yes, it's... And it doesn't... It sounds as though it look, would look terrible, and it would look awfully cheesy in a bit mm. sort of, you know, uh, local amateur dramatics version of West Side Story. But it, it has a, a bit of edge to it. It mm. has a bit of... Um, a bit of danger to it, I think. It has a it has a spark to it that the rest of the film doesn't have. I think it's helped actually that the song is about discovering a murder. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> it's about discovering a, a dead woman in a huge pool of blood. Um, mm. Number one single. Well, of course, yeah. Uh, I've no idea, but I mean, this is not the sort of thing that people write pop songs about. Oh no! You see, I remember there's a particularly terrible song by the Brotherhood of Man called Angelo, which is a cheerful number one song about teen suicide. Oh, great. Yeah. That's my favourite song. <laughs> it is now. And actually, isn't, that, isn't Pearl Jam's song Jeremy about a school shooting? Quite possibly, yeah. There's definitely... A, 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 I think there have been a couple of songs that cover that kind of territory. Mm. The Brotherhood of Man one is brilliant because it's the world's most cheerful song about teen suicide. Um, it's very happy. Oh, good. Well, I hope it, it gave people lots of good ideas. Um, but they have a music video. There's that weird interlude Yes. Where <laughs> it all goes quiet and everything... And, and then there was that moaning and writhing, yeah. What's going on there? Don't know. Um, I assume that... Yeah, don't know what what I don't know what the deal is with that bit, and then it becomes clear that they're all chanting "Annie, are you okay?" And then the song, and it's almost a relief when the song comes back because <laughs> yeah, that's strange that little interlude. But um, Katie is little Katie is kidnapped, and oh yes. Michael machine guns all the windows and shoots all the bad gunmen. Yes, and they uh, Michael and Sean and little Zeke find her tarantula-covered teddy bear. Oh, that's right, yes. And there is a tarantula transition. Is... God, did I... They only use it once in the whole movie, which makes it really weird that from that scene to them creeping about in another part of town. Because at first I thought that they literally walk around a corner and find themselves in this huge arena. Oh, right. But no, there is actually a transition, and it's this weird spider wipe Oh yes, yeah, like sort of like something that Batman, the Bat- exactly. 60s it's like, Batman, like series. like a, like the Adam West yes, Batman yeah. series. And I thought, no, <laughs> if you're going to do that, you have to do it more than once. Otherwise, it just looks like an afterthought mm. or something that Michael thought of in the editing room. Yeah, um, but they, there's a big arena, and um, uh, Mr. Big is going to inject. Uh, Katie with drugs himself, just d- with a big needle full of drugs. Which doesn't happen in my version. No, because you've got the censored Blu-ray, <laughs> yes. and I've got the uncut DVD. See, I didn't realise that all the edgy material had been taken out of my version. Yeah, all the, all the dark, gritty side of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Yes. Um, and Michael fights back, but he gets beaten to the ground and beaten up. And I think that's cut as well. No, I don't remember any of This is all new territory for me. Um, and... They're about to all get machine gunned, and suddenly there's a lucky star. Yeah. So Michael wishes that he's a robot. And he is. And, and then he is. In a lengthy sequence. That... And he, he turns into a big robot uh, very gradually, and fire, he fires missiles at the bad men, uh, and they fire back uh, with lasers. Yes, and the bad men are all killed because it's okay to kill men if they're bad. 
and he screams at them and their heads explode. Yes, and this is the point when I kind of, I'm sort of sitting there with my arms folded going, those men had families. <laughs> <laughs> Except when we see their heads explode, there's nothing in the No, helmets. there's nothing too shocking, is there? No, so maybe they're, maybe they're robots, I mean... Yeah, that, actually that... that it could, I mean, it could be anything. Yes, because Mr. Big's suddenly got a laser gun. He's got anyway. a giant, he, yeah, as a drug dealer, he's got a giant laser cannon in a, in a side of a hill. Mm. Which Michael Jackson, who's now turned into a spaceship, yes. uh, destroys with his scream laser. Yes. And then the spaceship flies away and they could say, oh, he's leaving. Yes. And it's then hit by a shooting star, and it apparently explodes. I, yes, I don't think this is the effect that the filmmakers are going for, but that was exactly my reaction as well, was that, that it had blown up. And it's the ending of E.T. as well. Ah, it's E.T. Been... flying off into space at the end of the movie. Yes, that's true. And then the spaceship turns into a rainbow. God, it's been so long since I've seen E.T. Yeah. The last time I saw E.T., it was the, um, the anniversary edition which is a recut with a couple of extra scenes in with the CGI version of E.T. There's a scene where E.T. takes a bath. Really? Um, Yeah. And um, where they're being chased at the end by the um, the NSA, all the shotguns have been digitally replaced with walkie-talkies. Because Steven Spielberg had gone mad for a week or something. Well, apparently Drew Barrymore talked him into it. Oh, really? Okay. Um, And it just dilutes. It's hot, yeah. Because the whole point is that they're so scared of hmm. poor little harmless friendly E.T. that they've got shotguns yeah. they're really aggressive and they're all wearing dark glasses so you can't see their eyes yeah. and it's not until really late in the film that you see the, the Keys character's face hmm. deliberately you never see his school principal's face no no actually you don't see him at all no, you don't see his teacher's face yeah the principal is edited out is edited it? out yeah. because it's Harrison Ford um, why is that Scene never turned up anywhere. I'm sure that must maybe that's. I not assumed it was, I just assumed it was on the DVD or maybe something. Maybe it is. I mean, the thing is, having watched this, I thought, yeah, it doesn't really work now. <laughs> and Spielberg saw the error of his ways, and you can't get the anniversary edition. Okay, oh, good for him. On Blu-ray, rather. I think the the, the extra scenes were on the Blu-ray, mm. but the default version is the original cut with yeah. all the shotguns because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, the ending of the ending of this scene is oh, he's going, he's leaving us. Oh, bye. Yes. Waving. Yes. And then he explodes. And then he explodes. And so it faced them sitting on a street corner in the town where nobody lives. Yes. And, and um, little Kate says, oh, she's, she sees a shooting star. Oh, oh, I wish he'd come back. And then he does. Mm. So he was literally gone for under a minute. Yeah, he can't have been gone for... He couldn't have gone that far. I mean, I know he's a spaceship, but... <laughs> Unless it's like the ending of 2001 and he kind of went on a journey inside his own mind. <laughs> this whole movie is a journey into well, his mind. Yes, that's true. Yes. Um, and they go back to the club and it's this weird backstage area and it's this horrible, oh, yeah. derelict backstage area. It, it, there's a live electric... There's the, the bit that got me, and I, I'm aware that my job involves elements of health and safety, which makes me more susceptible to things like this. There's a shoddy live electrical cable that sparks... And they go, oh, don't worry, it's just... Uh, it's just a plug. It's just a plug. And yeah, it's a plug with lethal... This... I said, oh, are there, are there any rats? Oh, don't worry, there aren't any rats. There aren't as, any rats. some rats go by. There aren't any rats. There are just live there electrics that could kill you. There are rats. Well, though. yes, we there see are. Them. Yeah. 
is is this what is this what backstage looks like at a Michael Jackson concert? Because this looks yeah. unsafe. The rider is lots and lots of stuff about what flavoured jelly beans he should have, but he's really not concerned about the working <laughs> conditions. Um, but they meet his crew, hmm. and the crew give them back the dog, who's yes. I mean, logic has gone out of the window long ago. Um, and um, Michael gets ready to go on stage. The kids watch from the wings, and then he goes on stage and sings "Come mm. Together," and then the film ends. Yeah, and then the <laughs> and there's one insert shot of the kids watching him while he's on stage, almost like an afterthought, as if somebody's thought, "No, we need to tie this sequence <laughs> into the last." Coherence is a yes. fundamental, uh, uh, important element. Yeah. Yes, and then as you say, and then the film stops and has a credit sequence that goes on for three hundred years. And is largely made up of stuff that you because it's the smooth criminal dance sequence again. Well, and it's stuff. Um, it, the first part is la- it's a, it's another song by Lady Smith Black Mambazo. Oh, of course, so yeah, it's actually a that, Paul bit's Simon re- connection. that bit's really good. Yeah, um, yes. performing a song on the smooth criminal set mm. called Moonwalking. The, I think. the moon is walking. Moon is that's it uh, with some B-roll footage from the movie. Mm. And with I think it was one or two little outtakes of Michael pulling weird faces. Yes. Apparently on purpose. Yeah. And then after that, we get Smooth Criminal played again mm. with a re edit of the video. And the film has still not reached 90 minutes. Hasn't it? I, no. I wasn't, wasn't sort of counting at that point. But... Because, well, because I was watching on DVD. Yeah. You... Uh, I've got um, the PAL speeder that you don't get from Blu ray. So my version is under 90 minutes in total. And it feels longer. Yes. Yeah, it really does. So, overall, have we answered the question of whether or not this is a film? No, I don't. I don't <laughs> we I, still don't, I don't know. feel we have. I, I mean, appropriately for a Michael Jackson, we've danced around the subject an awful lot, but I don't think we have. I mean, it's the smooth criminal section is a film. It's not. Yeah. A, it's not a. It's not a very good film, but it's a film. Mm. You could have that on its own, and that and yeah, works. And does it approach the forty minute? Because it's feel, that feels like a lengthy sequence. So I don't know if that would approach the magic about, forty minutes. Well, it starts about thirty-five minutes in, and then the end credits start about an hour eleven, so yeah. an, hour, an hour twenty-one. So that's just over forty minutes in total. Mm. But it includes two music videos. Yeah. So I would say, on its own, that's just about. Yeah. But as, as the, the whole 90-minute thing, it, meet, it meets the minimum requirements to be a film. I would not say that it meets any artistic requirements to be a film. Well, that, yeah. That's a whole separate... It's, it's a jumble. It's yeah. uh, an unconnected anthology of things... And I'm struggling to think of, because obviously, you know, I'm struggling to think if there were any other assemblages of sort of musicians' work that... There's nothing really comparable to this, is there? There's nothing that is kind of a collection of anim- a collection of shorts, but with a vague plot. You haven't seen Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts no, Club Band, have you? No, this is true. I've only watched... Um, I, I I spent uh, I spent a oh hang on, magical mystery tour. Yeah, I was wondering if this was this is this is what I'm thinking is is it comparable to magical mystery tour? Yes, because 
that's very similar in terms of it's just a jumble of stuff. Oh, that's right. The script was a circle divided up into sections, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that was written and directed by the Beatles, mm, doing I... whatever they thought worked. And people hated that when it came out. Yeah. I've, se- I've seen it recently and thought, yeah, I can see why people hate this. Yeah. Yes, it was the first kind of... Mi- it was almost like the first misstep that the Beatles made, wasn't it? Um, that... Well, the big mistake was broadcasting it on BBC One on Boxing Day. Boxing Day again. See, that's that's the... You can't yeah. release these on Boxing Day. That's the thing everything has in common. Yes. Um, and also showing it in black and white, because BBC One was black and white. Yeah, that if they'd aired it on BBC Two, which mm. was already airing in colour, I think people would have gone a lot easier on them. Yeah. But because the Beatles were, were still this... Well, they always have been this gigantic powerhouse mm. who could sell records like that. Yeah. He clicks fingers loudly. Yes. Um, the assumption was it would be this mass appeal project. And no, it's this incredibly weird stream of consciousness gibberish. Mm. I would say that hangs together less than Moonwalker does. I suppose, yeah. I, I... I think I, I saw Magical Mystery Tour when it was shown on BBC Four. Was it two or three years ago now? Might have been longer than that. God. I think, cause I think it was it the, time making fools of me again. Was it the fortieth anniversary? Yeah, so that would be eleven years ago. I hope. I really hope it wasn't the fortieth anniversary. Because if it was the fortieth anniversary, then I've got some weird blank spots in my life that I don't remember. Um, it's not. I mean, it's not brilliant. But it, it doesn't. There's individual bits. That are interesting, yeah. or fun, and the song. And the thing is, the songs kind of carry it. Yes, yeah. Because the Beatles' music is almost perfect, and you could say the same thing about most of Jackson's music. Mm-hmm. I mean, "Smooth Criminal" is pretty much a perfect song. Oh yeah, yeah. Weird subject matter, notwithstanding. But yes, it's. I suppose it's the the songs in "Magical Mystery Tour" were are more successfully integrated, and it. But it doesn't have yeah. But it doesn't have any overall coherence. It's they're more successfully integrated because they don't diverge too much from the rest of the material, mm. which is already very loose and shaggy yes. and vague. And here, because there are it's divided into separate elements, so there is a kind of nodding acquaintance with the notion of structure. Yeah. But the different elements don't join together. Yeah. That kind of, and even then, like the fact that we go from Man in the Mirror to the re- the whole retrospective sequence, to the badder number, to the chase, to the speed demons, things, and that all kind of merges together, but it doesn't feel like it coheres no, as a whole. No, there's, there's, there's definitely too much separation between... Because the equivalent would be um, the Magical Mystery Tour starting out with, I don't know, footage from um, Shea Stadia, and then going to a retrospective of the Beatles' career. Yeah, it would have just that would have just seemed bizarre, wouldn't it? Yeah. It could be argued, I think, this is this is the beginning of the end for Jackson's reign as the King of Pop. Um, Moonwalker wasn't the smash hit that people hoped. Um, his career did start to slide a little. His next album, Dangerous, wasn't you as see, big. I, I was struggling to remember what the next album was even called. And then there were the, the allegations of child abuse, and everything then just started to slide yeah. away. Well, it, that was then the point when it, it just became increasingly a bizarre Sad. public spectacle, didn't it? Because then you had, I think it was after that, that you had the interview with Martin Bashir. Yeah. And then you had 
the European tour, the dangling the baby incident. Uh, the giant statue of himself. Up oh, the that Thames. was towed up the Thames. Yes, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. His last album, which no one can even remember the name of. No, I couldn't tell you. Invincible, released in two thousand one. Um, yeah, everything. This, it's the last action hero of Jackson's career. This was, this, this was the bullet that put the dent in his. Yeah. Apparently. Indestructible armor. Except having said all that, and even with the the kind of public car crash that his life had become, become the announcement that he was going to do a series of live shows at the Oto was still really big news. Because he he still had that mm. incredible presence. He was an extraordinary singer, an incredible dancer, and his songs yeah. will live as long as music does. The best of his songs. I mean, there, there isn't a good best of album because there are too many songs. Yes, yes. And, and he got such a, a massive career to work from because I mean, he was on stage from the age of naught. Mm. Yeah. And even some of even I've heard a couple of the songs on Invincible, and they're not bad. Yeah. So I mean, in the movie, he just needs to make a wish, and he can turn himself into anything at all. He's effectively achieved godhood. And then once you've managed that, where else do you go? The only way is down. <laughs> Beyond the infinite. Exactly. Thanks to Chris for making the time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is now on iTunes with more than 50 episodes available, so please download, review and subscribe. We're also on Twitter, at cinema underscore limbo, and Podnos is also on Patreon, so please do make a one-off or regular contribution to help us with our running costs. I'm also participating in the Alzheimer's Society Memory Walk in October, so please, if you can, go to the Just Giving page at www.justgiving.com slash fundraising slash MW308839 and sponsor me if you can. It would be very much appreciated. However, until next time, it's just a plug. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips with editing and music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcasting Network. So please visit us at www.podnose.com.